It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This is the Locked On Auburn Podcast, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast presented by our friends at Fetch Me Delivery. They're not Grubhub. They're not Uber Eats. They're uh, they're local. They care about the folks here in Auburn and Opelika. And we love them here at the Auburn uh, Locked On Auburn Podcast. Use promo code FETCHME20 for your first delivery free. I'm Zach Blackerby, joined by my good friend Michael Pappas of ESPN 106.7. You've been taking a lot more notes recently. What's up with that? Well, I've decided that uh, it, I, I retain information better when I write it down and have it in front of me. So Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm the same way. All right, so uh, yesterday we got news that nobody really saw coming. Auburn has hired their new offensive line coach, Jack Bicknell Jr. Not what I expected. In my opinion, this hire is different than most Malzahn hires. I think Morris had his finger on the pulse of this one. I think he was involved with this decision. But I'm surprised how positive all of the fan reaction is across, you know, Auburn Twitter and, you know, people posting on on posts on uh, Facebook and in the message boards. People seem really pumped up about the hire of Jack Bicknell Jr. He spent the last three years at Ole Miss under, under uh, Coach Luke. And he spent some time kind of floating around the NFL. And uh, I think he's going to be a good coach. I'm kind of curious about his recruiting poise. But all in all, it seems like most people are pretty pumped about this hire. Absolutely. And I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you said he, I mean, his most recent stop is Mississippi at Ole Miss. And, and we've seen Gus has made hires recently to really try to get into Mississippi and, and pull players out. I think that he... I don't want to say doesn't respect the two schools in Mississippi as much as I feel like he thinks that Auburn is in a position to go to the state, you know, to the left of them as well as the state to the right of them if you're looking at a map. Yeah, and from a recruiting standpoint, you got to assume he has made some sort of kind of pipeline in Mississippi, being at Ole Miss for three seasons. He, I was reading some stuff on Auburn Undercover. It seems like... His territory was part of Louisiana as well as part of Arkansas. So I, th- I think the Louisiana part is probably going to be more relevant than the part in Arkansas. But, yeah, I, I think you're right. Malzahn has it's become important to him to recruit Mississippi well, and they really have done that the past few years. And so maybe this is kind of going to add to the firepower as far as their ability to go into Mississippi. I expected a guy that was going to be more – charismatic, a younger guy, kind of an up-and-comer. That's kind of what Malzahn has done in the past with a lot of these position coaches or a guy that has some kind of tie to Auburn. This isn't the case. This guy is a a true outsider. I think it's a great hire. I'm fine with it. I'm cool with it. I think it's important because Auburn has a staff full of recruiters. I want a guy that's going to make a unit better, and I think this guy is going to do that. Yeah. I totally agree. I think that this was a hire for Gus who instead of going after, you know, a young hotshot or something, someone who like you said is a very good recruiter, is known for the pro- to the program within the program, all that. I-, I think he really wanted to go with someone who's who can come in and make the offensive line better tomorrow. 
And it certainly seems like this could be a guy, like you said, he's got NFL experience. He knows what it takes to be in the league. And, you know, obviously he knows what it takes to be successful in the SEC. Ole Miss, for all their offensive struggles last season, they were very good at running the football from the quarterback position and the running back position. Yeah. How much of that do you think was offensive line and how much of that was scheme? I, I think part of that, I, I think a little bit of that goes hand in hand. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think you have a great running game without an offensive line. So, yeah, I'll give him credit for that. Absolutely. Absolutely. This is a guy that isn't hard to hype up. Mm-hmm. You, know, you saw when Auburn put out the uh, the official statement and Malzahn having you know, good things to say in the, the release that Auburn University put out and it kind of made its way to all of the, the websites. He's not, hard to, he's not hard to talk up. He's got a Super Bowl championship. He's got a good rapport with Eli Manning, which is kind of cool. He is. He has helped guys um, develop. That's as, why they hired him. Yeah, because of Eli Manning. Mm-hmm. That's why Ole Miss hired him. I mean, that's not surprising. Yeah, uh, according to, uh, I forget where I read it, but yeah, apparently he made the phone call to Matt Luke and told him to hire him, and he said okay because Eli Manning told me to. So that that's how it got him into the SEC was Eli Manning. So um, that I think it's cool. I think he's going to make this offensive line better. And I said, I said this for the last few weeks, regardless of who Auburn hires as the offensive line coach, I think the offensive line will be better in 2020 than it was in 2019 and 2018. And we had a phone call, and you can call the Locked On Auburn voicemail at 205-502-4285. Call us. Let us know what you think about this hire. There's not going to be a whole lot of other football news to happen for the next three months. So let's talk about this, guys. (laughs) Give us your opinion on this. 205-502-4285. Eight five, and this is a uh, this is this this call actually happened last week before this hire was made. But I think the the point and the question still remains. Hey Zach, uh, feel bad talking so much football during basketball season, but I uh, wanted to ch- challenge your point a little bit on the offensive line getting better. Is it possible that they get worse because the coaching staff determined the guys they put out there to be better than the guys who are left? And if, if that's not the case, are they better because either a the new the new offensive line coach developed these guys really well and they come out and and are better, or is it because b the coaching staff played a little seniority favoritism and just started started those guys because they they were seniors? Um, so let me know what you think, War Eagle. Appreciate the call as always. Yeah, I think one Jack Bicknell is going to coach these guys up. Better. He knows what the NFL is looking for in guys. I think that's going to make the position group more attractive, more appealing. And Auburn is running, you know, a lot of a lot of NFL stuff in regards to protecting the quarterback. A lot of three step and a lot of five step drops. And I think depending on who wins the running back job, I think they're going to do a lot of one cut stuff. Especially if DJ Williams is the starter going into 2020. So I think from a from a knowledge standpoint, he's going to be able to equip these guys and motivate these guys. And you're seeing some reports come out left and right in regards to, hey, I played for him you know, back when, and I really enjoyed my time playing for him. And I think that's important. I think that's good because he's going to be coaching guys that uh, he did not recruit. And that's what you have to do at the NFL level is, okay, you know, you got to coach whoever's in front of you. I think that's important. And I think that's going to be something he's going to be able to succeed with. As in regards to you know why in the world you know is it a guarantee that in my opinion that the Auburn offensive line is going to be better next year than the past two seasons? I think offensive line is so chemistry based, 
And sometimes if it's not working, I think it's best to just blow it up and start over. And that's what Auburn's doing. They know who their center is going to be. And after that, it's going to be an open competition. And I'm not convinced how much of a competition it was going in the last year outside of the center position. And I think we're going to see these guys have to get better in order to play. And when you have to get better in order to get on the field, I think that's a good thing. Competition is definitely not a bad thing. So I think some of it's going to do co- with coaching. I think some of it's going to do with personnel. I think some of it's going to have to do with a new offense. And once again, if it's just if it's bad, sometimes it's best to blow it up and start over. That's what the offensive line is doing. I also think that this offensive line will probably be more balanced from a sense of last year's offensive line seemed to be quite uh, quite good at uh, at pass blocking and really struggled to run block and. Let's say they're you know eighty twenty in favor of pass blocking. I think we could see a, a much closer clip this season to to around that fifty fifty position. And really, when you have an offense like Gus Malzahn's that's founded on running the football, that can be that can make the offensive line as a whole look much much better. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. Before we talk about what all happened last night, I want to just, I think this is relevant, especially from a recruiting standpoint. Bo Nix's father, Pat Nix, is now the head coach at Central, which is right down the road. And it seems like every year there is a recruit that gets out of Auburn's grasp at Central. And I bet that happens less now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I think that's awesome for, uh, for Central. I think it's awesome for Bo Nix, you know, getting closer to his family. I assume his family moved down uh, to the area. And that's... Um, I think it's really good for Auburn because that's a built-in pipeline. That is a school that they've had a really hard time getting the best guy out of. So I think that's uh, I think it's good for Auburn. And little transition here. Speaking of a guy from Central, didn't show up last night. Justin Ross. Oh yeah, yeah. Not a whole lot of Justin Ross last night. One of the guys that um that got away from Auburn. So well, let's talk about last night, Michael. Let's talk about it. Obviously, uh, LSU took care of business against Clemson. And I think the question's got to be asked, you know, when you're covering a team like Auburn and you're pulling for a team like Auburn, you've got to ask the question, okay, how far is Auburn away from the two programs that are playing for it all? And you saw Auburn play against LSU in Baton Rouge, and they officially had the uh, the best outing against them as far as stopping them anyway. I mean, nobody else even came close to what uh, what Auburn was able to do in Death Valley. And I think that's a testament to the skill on Auburn's defense and to the skill of Kevin Steele. Um, as a defensive coordinator, really, we saw Clemson try to play the same style of defense that Auburn did, and it worked pretty well, except they couldn't. I mean, poor number eight for Clemson just got absolutely abused all night. All night. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's stuff to be said about how, you know, Clyde Edwards Alaire really came on after that Auburn game and yeah, they changed the offense and blah, blah, blah. But I mean, this was. It's crazy how many teams tried to run that 3 1 7 after Auburn put that on the field. Yeah. 
Georgia it tried it. It didn't work. Clemson tried it. It didn't work. It worked Saw for Oklahoma a while. do it a little bit. Yeah. And then it's just they, they it broke. And so props to Auburn. We had another call uh, in response to to somebody watching last night. 205-502-4285. Zach was uh, watching the game and just had a few thoughts to share with you and the rest of the podcast family. That's you. I tell you what, the biggest separator that I saw between the Auburn Tigers and the two teams that played last night was two things. One, their receivers on a completely different level. Yeah. What Jefferson, Chase, you name it, did. I mean, it's just a, a totally different level from both teams, Clemson and LSU. Uh, they don't drop balls. You know, our guys can, can play athletically with them, but way too many drop passes throughout the year. You know, I think we get that cleaned up. And uh, we're going to have more than just one dangerous weapon in Seth Williams. The other thing is, these two quarterbacks are on a different level than Bo Nix. And uh, I'm so excited about the future of Auburn. But uh, Bo's got to grow. And if our receivers grow and Bo grows, I think we got a shot to be in the championship here in the next few years. So I think I heard a little GPS in the background, Michael. Mm-hmm. But he was also kind of giving Auburn a little GPS on uh, on how to get to that level. <laughs> you like that? Mm-hmm. You like that? Mm-hmm. That just came to me. Um, I I think what he's saying is spot on. It kind of... To be fair to the Auburn wide receivers, I wonder if their inability to get open was more on the individual's fault or the scheme's fault. Or both. I don't know. It's also worth noting that they they quoted Joe Burrow in the broadcast. He literally said, if the defensive back isn't looking at the ball, his guys are open. So uh, we saw it with uh, two or three passes to Jamar Chase. I think both touchdowns. Like, Joe Burrow was more than comfortable just launching it to one of his receivers and trusting that the guy would go get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, even Terrence Marshall on, on his touchdown. I mean, that was a 50-50 ball that Marshall went up and got. Yeah, they're they're great passes, but the receivers are a lot of times are you know quote unquote covered, but they go get the ball. And yeah, I mean, he's fitting it into NFL windows. I was about to say it is worth noting that Joe Burrow is throwing perfect passes. Yeah, like just right on the money. Yeah, it's like it's three. You got to be open by three yards in college, but one yard in the NFL, and mm-hmm. like that's that's what Joe Burrow and LSU did all season long, really, with yeah. the exception against Auburn. And Amazon Web Service, if you guys have been watching the NFL games, they've been showing all these commercials of ridiculous touchdown passes, and it's yeah. like um, Russell Wilson's to, to yeah, lock it was Ru- there for a while. Yeah, yeah Russell Wilson and mm-hmm. Pat Mahomes. I think Mayfield had one, and it's like the separation is always like. Point three yards, and it's like, how did he do that? Mm-hmm. Catch percentage likelihood at like 19%. It's like, in the NFL, that's what you have to do. You have to convert plays where you're, you know, your catch percentage is really low. I think what the caller's mainly talking about is a lot of times you see catch percentage for these often receivers where you'd think it'd be like 60 or 70%, and sometimes they just don't catch the ball. In regards to the comment about Bo Nix, I mean, you're definitely right. He's not Trevor Lawrence or Joe Burrow right now. And Trevor Lawrence was obviously a true freshman, a lot more recent than Joe Burrow was. And awful last night. Sure. But Joe Burrow wasn't there as a true freshman. He, no. wa- he wasn't there last year. And so Bo Nix has time. I know Auburn fans are kind of impatient a little bit, and, and, and rightfully so. You want your team's leader to be at his, the top of his game immediately. I get it. 
but it's going to take some time. And I think with the level of devotion that this guy has to the game of football and his love for Auburn and his, you know, how competitive he is with other people and against himself, it's going to come. And I really think this offseason, this first full offseason in a collegiate program is going to really help him step his game up. I kind of, I, I personally think that's when you see that biggest jump is between your freshman year and your sophomore year because now you know what to expect, you know what to work on, you understand what is expected of you, you understand the speed of the game, and now it's like, okay, let's go to work. And I think that's what Bo is going to do. I think he's going to spend all summer working with his receivers because I don't think he liked not having anybody open. I don't think he liked having to run for his life. And he seems like the kind of guy that's going to have the confidence and the ability and the leadership qualities to take over that locker room and say, "Hey, let's let's do this." I I don't want to. I'm I'm done leading a bad offense. I agree. I, I, I think you're going to see it. I, I totally agree with everything you said, and I'm going to add a couple more things. Please do. I think it's really going to help him to get every snap this offseason. Every first team snap. Oh, that's a great point. Or 98 percent of first team snaps. Sure. Will go to Bo Nix unless he gets tired and they're like, okay, put someone else in. But did your foot just touch mine? Yeah, it did. I didn't that's know that never, was possible. That's never happened yeah, that before. Was weird. I didn't know there was a gap under the desk. Oh, I, I knew there was a gap. I just didn't know that our feet could touch. Okay, and then... I want the show to be over now. Well, I, I'm I totally so thrown lost, off. I totally lost my train of thought. I'm so thrown off. I totally lost my train of thought. <sighs> All right. Well, Oh, he also has a full <laughs> season of film to watch of himself. Sure. And different defenses and, and what he struggled against and how to get better against those coverages and right. stuff like that. And for a guy who's as much of a, a film rat, if you will, um, I, I think that's really going to help Onyx. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, especially during March. Your eyes are on the road, but the driver in front of you has both eyes on their bracket. Their sudden braking puts you in a 16-car pileup that's anything but sweet. And if you don't have the right auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this is worse than a busted bracket. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability, savings vary. All right, the last thing I want to talk about today, um, folks, keep buying tickets for that game tomorrow. And depending on when you're listening, Wednesday night as Auburn takes on Alabama in Tuscaloosa. I'm seeing more and more people saying that they bought tickets or that they're about to buy tickets or the decision that they're going to go. The next step for Auburn basketball's culture is to travel like some of these top teams. You know, mm-hmm. all right, you're, you've solidified yourself as a top 10 team in the country right now a top five team in the country, but they're fourth in the most recent poll. And if you want to, if you want to be as competitive as those programs, like the teams up there with you, your Dukes, your Kentuckys, you got to travel. I I mean, I remember up until about two years ago, whenever Kentucky came in to, whether it was Beard Eves or Auburn arena, they packed the place out and that's what Auburn's got to do. And they've got an opportunity to do it tomorrow night. I think they're going to do a pretty good job at it. I don't think they're going to do it to that level. But I think they got a pretty good opportunity to, to make an impression. And it cannot be said enough that for a lot of these SEC games that might be in your area, depending on where you're listening, that ticket is going to be less expensive than an Auburn Arena ticket. Yeah. Just this game against Alabama, I think the tickets are between 20 and $25 I saw on Twitter yesterday. Right. And uh, for this game against Florida, you know there are a bunch of Auburn people in the state of Florida. Sure. I know it's a big state, but still – and. So those tickets are going to be less expensive than trying to come to Auburn Arena to go to a game. Yeah. 
yeah, I, I'm I'm really curious. I mean, it's a Wednesday night, eight o'clock tip in Tuscaloosa, so I get that. But the game Saturday in Gainesville. I mean, that's that's another opportunity to okay. There are worse places to go, um, especially if you live nearby in the the South Georgia area and you want to make that down or somewhere in the you know Florida close to Gainesville. So that'd be um that'd be fun. It'd be fun to see folks on uh on TV filling out uh filling out every arena that Auburn goes to. I have two small things. Okay. The first one, this is uh, per Tom Green on Twitter. All right, AL.com. Friend of the program. Um, on Bet Online, which is an offshore gambling website. Love it. Auburn is 20 to 1 to win the national championship in football next season, and Bo Nix is 33 to 1 to win the Heisman Trophy. Which bet do you like more? Auburn to win the national championship. Okay. Um, I think that's 6th and 17th, I think the tweet said, uh, respectively. So Auburn has the 6th best odds to win the Natty next year? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm sure it's tied with a lot of other teams. Sure. But, yeah. And then the other thing, we talked yesterday about um, one of the way-too-early uh, top 25s. Yeah, I know you're going with this. Go yeah, ahead. I saw another one yesterday. So we were talking about how we felt like Auburn was too low in that one. So Brett McMurphy of Stadium now, yeah, it's I think his thing. Yeah. Stadium, he released his top way too early top twenty five, and Auburn was number five. That's too high. <laughs> and when I saw that, I was like, "Wow!" Some high hopes there from uh, from Brett McMurphy. Hey, that'd be that'd be uh, that'd be fun. I had a few people tweet out because I, I you know I spliced up some of the the bits from our mm-hmm. the podcast and, and put it in video form on social media. And I, I cut out the part where we talked about how Auburn was 16th and AM was 15th. And I had a few people tweet saying, Hey, personally, I'd rather Auburn be ranked low because that's just when they do better. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, Eventually at some point you got to be like, all right, we're here to stay, but I fine. read a story from banner society about the most overrated teams in college football history. Like, the, the schools or programs that get uh, like start the season with high rankings in the polls and end up with bad seasons. Let's see, like and Notre Dame's got to be up there. Yeah, Notre Dame's up there. Michigan State's up there. Virginia Tech and USC. Those were the three that okay. had those. The what what he had tracked. Those were the three that had. It was like five years. Those teams were the most. Overrated. Seems like Virginia Tech's always like seventeenth or twenty second every single year, and it's like. Mm-hmm. Mm-mm. Yeah, his is what this story was. It was he was looking for teams mainly in like the top ten that no, ended that up makes going sense. like seven and six or that something. That makes sense. Yeah. So and Auburn, I think, had four in, in his thing, but he had written another story before that said that was uh, the most underrated teams, and Auburn was also like second on that list. Uh, so Auburn's in the most overrated and underrated y- list. Yeah, sounds credible. So it's just funny that like these preseason polls that, you know, I mean, us included, obviously, we've talked about them now for two days in a row. Like we put stock in and then it's like. But it matters, though. Like if you're ranked number one going into the season, like you are going to get the benefit of a doubt more than somebody that's like undefeated it. But they entered the season ranked 15th. Yes, I, I agree. If, if it didn't like people are like, oh, well, it doesn't matter. Like, well, it kind of does. It shouldn't. I agree. It shouldn't matter. Mm-hmm. And in most cases, you can take care of business. But I do think the perception of who you are going into the season matters more than it should. 
I definitely agree with that. And so it's just, I, I thought it was kind of funny that Auburn was yeah, on that both lists. So people are right. When but, Auburn, it, but, it, but it's kind of relatable. It's like, yeah, that is, yeah, okay. When Auburn... <laughs> <laughs> when Auburn's ranked lower, yeah, they oftentimes do have very good seasons. And when they're ranked higher, they oftentimes do have very poor seasons. But Michael, there's also not a list that's like, oh, these preseason polls were spot on for these teams. Michael Pappas. Zach Blackerby. I have a question. I hopefully have an answer. Where can people find you and hear you? Uh, follow me on Twitter at CouchPapTato. You can hear me the last two segments, like the last segment of each hour nice. on the lunch break. Uh, on ESPN one Free Money Friday every day. Every day. Sweet. Follow me on Twitter at Z Black. We follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Auburn. This has been another edition of the Locked On Auburn podcast. Let's go. It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The NCAA tournament is almost here. And listening to Locked On College Basketball will give you the edge you need to dominate your bracket. So don't wait. Find Locked On College Basketball on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.